In a not-so-stable world, it is crucial to amplify the right message. At the Stream Grace Network, our goal is to do just that. We are adding to our stable of podcasters every month, and we are growing. This is where you come in. We want to share in that growth. If you are a small business owner looking to grow your business, we'd love it if you'd consider allowing one of our podcasters to endorse you, your products, or services. The best part is that endorsement will never stop running in any episode it is a part of, ever. This is a unique and rare benefit in digital advertising. We want everything we do to be uplifting and to encourage positive growth. And we'd love to partner with you. For more information, visit us online at StreamGrace.com or email us at support at StreamGrace.com. God bless. Hello and welcome to my little nook in the digital universe. Prepare to dive deep, get real, get close, and find out entirely too much about people you likely don't even know. I am Jeremy Griffin, and these are my conversations. So grab a coffee and get comfortable. Here we go. You're listening to the Stream Grace Network. Hey, thank you guys for tuning in to episode 19 of Conversations with Jeremy Griffin. If uh, you like it, please subscribe. That's like really helpful in general. You can also find other podcasts like these at streamgrace.com. Hey, I want to also tell you that today's podcast is brought to you by The Joyful Bean. I had to do it soft and kind of weird because it's exciting. So The Joyful Bean is one of the best places uh, and only few places or few only places you can get uh, the authentic Jamaica Blue Mountain Coffee, which is awesome. I have some for my Keurig, but you can also get it, um, you know, in bags with beans and ground, whatever you want. They have a lot of specialty flavors. And you know what? If you're doing fundraisers, they offer independent branding too. Like you can go ahead and pick your blends and do all sorts of cool stuff and make your own coffee. Maybe one day the Stream Grace Network will have its own coffee, but today we do not. Anyway, go over to thejoyfulbean.com, use coupon code. Oh, no, wait, don't have a coupon code, but you can still go and enjoy the good stuff. Today's guest is uh, a podcaster on the Stream Grace Network. She is one of the three on the three. Please welcome and I, and I mean, you know, what are you going to do? Clap? I don't know. But please welcome Sharon Sosa. Sharon, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, that's been our show. Thank you for joining us. No. <laughs> that was easy. Shoo. <laughs> I know. So much faster than your podcast, isn't it? <laughs> Sorry, I had to drink. That, take a drink of yeah. my coffee. Yeah, to have his Joyful Bean coffee. Is that local? No? Uh, It's local-ish, yes. Okay. Yeah, the joyfulbean.com is local, yes, but they have their custom lens. Okay. Um, Which, again, the Jamaica... Yeah, it's all she from was Jamaica. About that. So yeah. my daughter's a barista, so she probably oh. she loves trying new stuff. So I probably need to go get her some of that. I definitely recommend it. Um, I, yeah, it's good. There's I like the names. You know, it's kind of like when you go to different places and they have like regional names. They have one called um, Oak City Sunset. Oh, cool. Um, the Fuman Bean, Sparky Shine. Those are three off the top of my head. Interesting. And where? Well, can you tell me where it's located? Oklahoma City. 
<laughs> like physically located. It's all online. So it's not Midwest City. It's in oh, it, oh. oh it is all online. It's all online, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's just you you'll make it you see it's perfect for her because she's a barista. Mm-hmm. So she can make it she can like put your hands in the beans and smell them and <laughs> whatever baristas do. I don't I'm an amateur barista. Uh-huh. I absolutely always um uh, froth my cream before I put it in put do the coffee thing. You're funny. It's a science. You think you're a barista, huh? <clears throat> no, I mean I'm absolutely not. But I mean a Keurig. If you if if you can be a barista with a Keurig, then yes. <laughs> she would say no. She does the pour overs. Oh yeah. Okay. So yeah. With I, her I've heard of that, of but that. I don't even know what that means. There's like, no cream in that. <laughs> uh, yeah. See, that's the thing. I I am I like coffees, but I want the richness. Yes. Of, and and a lot of people will be like, then drink it black, moron. And I'm like, no. I mean, my mixture is. <laughs> people i'm gonna be so judged right now and i'm okay with it um bring it, bring it. so uh i like cinnamon blends uh, so i've got cinnamon coffee with uh two italian sweet creams okay and two sweet and lows oh and it's fantastic <laughs> well now i'm seeing where you get your energy from <laughs> i know this is number two today <laughs> so it's just it's just gonna keep coming um this isn't about the coffee though <laughs> I know, we just went down that path. We did. So, okay, so you've been podcasting on the three now. How many episodes are you guys in? Do you know? Oh, wow. Um, I don't know. I know know that we're good up through maybe December, so I don't don't know what that means. uh, You're probably around... I can look and see what was released this week, and I could have an idea. Yeah. I'm guessing you're, I mean, you're in the mid-teens at the very least. Yes. Oh, we for sure are that. What did we release this week? This week, we released number 12. Okay. And I know we have probably four in the, whatever you call it, wherever they sit until you release them. Yeah. <laughs> Sitting there waiting in line. Yes. I like to call it the DMV. Okay. Um, <laughs> I figure it's the closest analog to the digital space we're okay, talking about. Okay, I'll have to remember that. Um <laughs> so uh when you so you know when you guys started the podcast it was new yes. for all three of you, right? It was scary. Was it really? Yeah, none of us had done. Even for you it was scary cuz I didn't feel like you were that scared. Well, okay. So Lori was super Lori didn't even listen to podcasts. I had been mm. a podcast listener and so I was familiar with the concept and all that and of course Pat doesn't do any of that and so of the three i was the least afraid but i was pretty intimidated um but once i started doing it i was like oh yeah i was made with this (laughs) no right it reminded me of what my my seventh grade science teacher spoke into me oh wow he said and and this this will reveal my age to you (laughs) he said sharon i fully expect to see you host a talk show one day Oh, wow. That was back in the days of talk shows. There you go. Daytime TV. Yeah. And I always got the talks too much on my <laughs> report so card. Right. Mom and dad got to see um, Disruptive in class on the regular. <laughs> so so this will really um, show your age. Uh, was it more Sally Jesse, Oprah, Phil Donahue? Yeah, Phil-ish. Maybe yeah. Oprah was coming up at that time. I Maybe. remember this. This is weird. I remember the first promo for Oprah Winfrey. Do you? I have no idea why. I was like, That's random. It is random, and I I think what it was, 
Well, I really don't know because my grandma watched Phil Donahue and she watched me. So like every mm-hmm. day. Oh, that was a part of your growing up. Yeah. And so I remember this promo coming on from is like live from Chicago, I think she said or something mm-hmm. like that. You know, the, from the Windy was, City, I think they said. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. So I think what grabbed my attention was that not Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> but Oh, that's good to know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, because I'm sitting there. I mean, I probably I don't. I had to have been like probably not older than seven or eight. I don't really know for sure, but I just know that that's what stuck out to me. And I've never forgotten that, like her on this soundstage talking about this show that's coming. And then she became Oprah. Yeah. Where, you know, that I think that's where you've really like, that's the pinnacle of success when you are one name person. (laughs) Is that what it is? I think it is. I mean, (laughs) you know, if I just had a show called Jeremy, (laughs) Which I think is a terrible name for a show. I was going to say, but that's such a common name. I know. You know, it's so weird. It's weird because I always, I always was frustrated with my name because saying it's so much effort. Like if my name was Bob, you know how you easy it is. You don't want to shorten it to Jerry? My, I've had many relatives who did because they, it's an, it, they're Oklahomans. I mean, oh. it's, I'm, I think it's three, three, Jeremy. Yeah, it's three <laughs> syllables. I don't, I mean, I say it so quick. I try to do a two syllable version, but yeah, they're like. It's just too many syllables for Oklahomans. I mean, you get past two syllables and they're like, I mean, really? Why? Except if you're saying like, it's it's like uh, from like New Zealand and Australia in that area. I think think it's interesting that a one syllable word can have like three syllables in it because mm. they'll say no. And we say no. And they go, no. <laughs> it's got like three levels. Like how'd that happen? You have to hit several pitches in there. Exactly. You cover the whole, no. <laughs> The whole gamut. Yeah. Well, how did we get there? I, you know, I don't know. We do another show on the network called Scatter Shooting, and this makes more sense for that show. Okay. Maybe we'll show we'll, up on that one. I was going to say, I'll talk to Randy and see if we can get you on there. Um, so tell me about Sharon Sosa. Like, tell me, like, you weren't always Sharon Sosa. No, I was not. What What was your original name? My um, born last name was Schaefer. All right. Dan's daughter? That. Nope. I don't even know who Dan is. But. All right. Just checking. I mean, like, if again, he didn't rise to that fame because I just said Dan and you don't know who yeah, it is. I don't is. know who he is. Um, yes. So, yep. That was my maiden last name was Schaefer. Um, but I have been a Sosa longer than I was a Schaefer. When did, okay, so I, I won't make you say when that happened. When did that happen? But I, wasn't it, did you realize it in the moment when that happened you're like oh my gosh or did it something you figured out later Uh, it was like a landmark for me (laughs) yeah so i don't i don't i don't know maybe i just now came up with that i don't know i don't know yeah it was a big milestone i just popped in my head when you asked me that okay well that's quick math i'm not even like you just knew how about that i think i was thinking it more on rick's side than i was (laughs) oh that makes more sense (laughs) he's been with me longer than he's been with his mother there it is (laughs) Now we start the counseling. <laughs> and there you see. Ah, uh, okay, so you were born Sharon Schaefer. Yes. Um, were you different as a kid than you are today? Wow. Um I would say no. <laughs> like an Australian almost. <laughs> yes, I just drug that out, didn't I? I've had things add on. For mm. sure, but I still think who I was then. I still, I still am. Yeah. So you were. I'm more comfortable with who I am now. Yeah, 
unapologetic. Yeah. So as a kid, you were, how would you describe yourself then? I would describe myself the black sheep of the family. Okay. I only had one older sibling, sister. Um, I was very loud. I had a lot of energy. They labeled me hyperactive and put me on Ridland. So hence you can see why I feel like I was the black sheep. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And I told you earlier that I always was told I talked too much in right. class. I had a lot to say. I had a lot of words. Hmm. Well, there you go. So, um, so tell me about, um, when you got out of grade school and you started, what, 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 where was the first like turmoil time in your life? Like for most people, you come around this adolescence time frame, something massive happens. Do you have anything like that going on in your life? Yeah. Yeah. I would say for sure. Um, once I hit those teen years, rebellion set in mm. pretty hard. Um, my parents will tell you, I, they attribute all their gray hairs to me. <laughs> I was that teenager from hell really yeah yeah so were you uh now were you churchgoers were you, yep. you were oh, raised in yeah. church the whole yep. time cut my teeth on the pews oh that's nice <laughs> it's good stuff it's a good place to do it outside of the pledge <laughs> that's probably why you did it though this lemon pledge <laughs> maybe so that's what it was so um black sheep then so you got into junior high high school and you just started turning turning crazy or what yeah yeah i just decided that my parents were boring Oh. And I want an exciting life. And so I was going to go a different direction than they went and tried it out. I went to a really big high school, so it was easy to, mm. um, I grew up in Edmond. So Edmond had been a small town, but by the time I was, well, my graduating class had almost a thousand people in it okay. before they broke off into the different high schools. Mm. So there was just a lot to get mixed up in. Yeah. So you, uh. Anything stick out that you want to tell the whole world about? No. Figures. <laughs> I'm going to let them gut. use their imaginations and it it's probably gonna be isn't worse. even as bad. No, I think it's going to be worse. You don't know my crowd. Let me <laughs> oh, just tell dear. you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, oh, good Christian girl gone bad. This is going to be really, really bad. All right. Well, let's fine with me. So you, uh, uh, did you go to college? I did try it. Yeah. I did, of course. Didn't um, stick. No, it was called CSU back then. It's now it's called UCO. Central but, State. Yeah. And so if we grew up in Edmond, then we called that 13th grade. Yeah. Um, that felt like, I mean, that's supposed to be a pretty big transition. You graduate high school and you go off to college. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, I just, I kept the same job that I had. I lived with my parents. There was no change mm. other than watching my friends go off. To college and have new and different experiences. So I went in thinking I'm going to study psychology and I'm going to be this fabulous child psychologist and I'm going to work with really tough kids and that's what I was going to do. And yeah, but after about the third semester, I was like, I don't think I can do this for six years. Yeah. So, uh, but you still, still have that passion. Like you're in Obviously, counseling now, yes. right? Um, <laughs> So what, uh, so it was just the time commitment. Did you just get bored with it or? Uh, yeah. Well, I was never a good student. Mm. I was, you know, in high Did school. You talk a lot? I talked a lot. <laughs> I think I've said that several times. I was very concerned about if I had enough lip gloss and where the next party was. That uh, was, those were my major concerns in high school. Gotcha. They just carried right over to uh, <laughs> CSU. So I didn't have a good, you know, I just, I'm not, I was not a good student. Yeah. Well, most people I know, um, if they did go to school, you know, uh, college or university, 
they very few of them are doing anything within their degree and most of them are still paying off their debt <laughs> so i figure i came out ahead <laughs> you know yeah yes i get that so um so you graduated there when did you meet rick okay so well we skipped a step here oh well, so let's go back when I, when I decided that i college was not for me um someone had told me they said you know what you should check into being a flight attendant or they might we were crossing over from stewardess to flight attendant and so (laughs) it was that transition late (laughs) 80s right early 90s somewhere in there um yes it was 1989 okay see i totally remember that's so weird that i totally remember Uh, that is weird you can't call them stewardesses it's weird So I totally went down that path. I only went and interviewed with one airline and it was, it was, it was, it was an interesting time in my life. That was going to be my only ticket out of Oklahoma. Oh, I definitely would have taken places. um, No pun intended. A lot of us are, you know, we think that there's a bigger, better world out there and we want to go see it. And that was going to be my only way to get out. Um, So, but I was also very anxious about it because like, okay, if this doesn't come through, then what am I going to do? Um. And so, anyway, I just went and interviewed with one airline. It obviously was meant to be. I got hired with them. I went to training for six weeks. We called it Barbie Doll Boot Camp. <laughs> and like the company called it that too, or just oh, you? Oh, no. Those okay. of us that were in training called, uh, okay. it, called it the Charm Farm or Barbie Doll Boot Camp. And nice. I like Barbie Doll Boot Camp much better. So, did that. And then, so when you finish training, when you get towards the end of your training, they send you to the bases that need um, more people, yeah. right? I'm sorry, I can't get my words together. Um, and so, and and I was one of the youngest ones in my class. Most mm-hmm. of the people in in that training class, they had gotten their degrees, and then they turned around and went and did this. So I was I was one of the younger ones, and so everything was by seniority by age. And so I got the bottom pick of the different cities that were offered to us. And so this little Oklahoma city girl was going to New York city. Wow. Yeah. So why was that the, the bottom? Of Nobody the wanted to go to New York city. Wow. Um, most of us. So our training so was like in cost Dallas. of living. Is that the idea? Yeah. Well, cost of living. And with that company, if you were based out of New York city, you had to cover three airports. You had to cover mm. Newark and New Jersey. You had to cover LaGuardia and you had to cover JFK. JFK. Yeah. So finding a neutral place to live that you'd be able to cover those airports was a nightmare. Yeah. Is at that point you just, just go homeless and mm-hmm. you know, sleep in the subway. <laughs> That's what I thought might happen. Yeah, man, right. <laughs> so you so you went. I went. My mom was shocked. She's like, you're still going to go? And I was like, yeah, I'm going. I'm out of here. Wow. Yep. So um, myself and four other um, gals from my training class, we all went and got a one-bedroom apartment right in uh, Midtown, New York City, 51st and 7th. Wow. Right down the way from Rockefeller Center. Right. Cost like a quarter million dollars uh-huh. a month. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness. Yeah. So, okay. So there's a lot. We're going to go down a lot of stuff here because usually when something comes up like that, I'm going to have a lot of insider questions. Like okay. I want to know about, you know, what you really think of certain passengers, like how you, like several little things that we're going to talk about. But before I get into that, so your station, your station in New York, is that what you call it? No, based. Based. I like station better. <laughs> That's military. It is military, but you're flying. You know, I got an Air Force kid. That's my thing. So you're on deployment in New York. 
<laughs> and and you're so you're living there in Manhattan, right? That's yeah, that's yeah, Manhattan Island. On the island okay. of Manhattan. So did you see New York or did you just oh, work yeah, the yeah. whole time? Oh no. So when you first get started, um you have to every other month you're on what they call reserve. And so they give you this schedule and they say, Okay, these days you're on reserve and you literally sit there and pray that they're going to send you a trip your way. Oh, wow. And a lot of times you don't. Do you get, so there's you don't a lot get paid of or you do get paid? If- well, you get a base salary, okay. but in New York City, we could have collected food stamps on wow. that. But anyway, um, so on the other months, that's when you try and pick up extra work and stuff. So gotcha. that's how that works. So we had a lot of downtime. So yeah, no, I we we went all over the city, hit all the highlights. Um, What'd you yeah. th- okay, so it was your first time in New York when you it did was. that? It was, oh okay. yeah. So I remember going to New York City for the first time, and I'm going to be honest with you, very underwhelming. <laughs> I'm not even lying. Well, okay, so what? <laughs> I was will the, explain why. What year was that? Was that pre Giuliani or post Giuliani? Post. Okay. Yeah, it was. It was post 9/11. Okay. Oh wow. Yeah. So it was very different. Yeah. What yeah. were you expecting? I will tell you exactly what was underwhelming. Okay. Two, two things. So being from Oklahoma. And you'll totally get this. Anybody who's not from here won't. But I, I had a sister who lived in uh, Long Island. Oh, uh-huh. And so that's why I was up there for. Anyway, my uh, for us, when someone's like, hey, um, like from out of town, you're like, hey, you want to meet for lunch somewhere? Yeah. Where do you want to meet? It doesn't really matter where you stay in the city. It's pretty much 30 minutes away. Like you just assume 30 minutes to get there. And that's how it is. So my sister... On Long Island, I said something about going somewhere. She's like, oh, that's like 15 minutes away. (laughs) And I thought, what is wrong with you? (laughs) 15 minutes, that would be a dream. So so that was kind of the first thing. It was kind of weird. Um, But the other thing is, you know, you watch TV and you see all these buildings. And I just figured I would be in a world where every building was 500 stories. (laughs) And most of the buildings are like 12. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, oh. I mean, there's like seven really big ones and there's more than seven. But I mean, yes. when you see the ratio yes. of it, you're just calling. I mean, all right. And then the other thing is everything getting back to like the, the things where it's spread out, like everything's all in one place. Like if you're in Times Square, mm-hmm. you are a five minute walk from everything you've ever heard of, mm-hmm. except for what Central Park and and the Museum of Natural History. And that's 15 minutes <laughs> or whatever you're it takes. Funny. So, yeah, I don't know. And See, Grand, that's post-Giuliani. You know. I was there pre-Giuliani, and um, Times Square was not a place you wanted to go. Uh-oh. It was seedy. It was gross. All the storefronts were peep shows and all. Really? It, it was gross. Are you ki- So, pre-Giuliani? Yes. You're kidding me. How not, about that? Not. So, he made Times Square Times Square? I'm... I'm or, I mean, think, you know. I, I think there were several... Um, what was he? Mayor, Mayors, governor? Yeah. That really did a good job of um, bringing a lot of good commerce into hmm. New York city and cleaning it up. Yeah. Cause it, I mean, it was, that was the thing, I guess it, it was cool. I mean, I enjoyed it. I hated too. My GPS didn't work cause all the buildings. Oh, now yeah. this was again, huh. now, now it probably does. Cause I'm sure tech, you know, has increased, but at the time it was like that really awful place where it can't see enough satellites cause there's too many buildings in the way. And 
You're trying so, to get, you know. Were you in a car? No, but I was okay. using it to walk to places. Right. That's I what I, yeah. yeah. Well, you can even, there was even a setting to help you figure out the subway system on that. Yeah. I yeah. thought that was pretty handy. Oh, yeah. Well, everything when happens I went back. for me. I didn't have that when I lived I even, there. I was going to say, I've been back. I wasn't going to draw that out, but I was like, weren't you flip phoning it then? <laughs> no, no, we didn't even have no, that. No, you weren't. We didn't even have that. Yeah. <laughs> Nokia 5160. Uh-uh. Nope. Brick phone. <laughs> No cell phones. That's right. It's all dial up. Uh They still had uh, phone booths. Yes. All through. Yes. And we would have. So this was one of the interesting experiences. So the ATMs there are in vestibules because it's cold in New York City. Right. Well, you would never go in the morning to get money out of your ATM because do you know who and what was in the vestibules? Uh, Imagine a lot of homeless. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. All right. So that's part one of you being a flight attendant, <laughs> stewardess, transition word. Yes. Um, all right. So now, new question. So you, can you fly anywhere you want as a flight attendant for free? Anywhere the company that you're working for, has they where they fly, and if there's an empty seat on that flight. Gotcha. So you're basically flying standby all the time if you're going to fly. Unless, unless you, you buy a ticket. Unless you're working. Now, oh, sometimes right. they have this term called deadhead, and sometimes they would have to fly a crew to start wherever they needed them to start. We'd call that deadheading. And gotcha. so that they were responsible for making sure we had seats to be All able right. to do that. First insider question. Because I, I mean, that's kind <laughs> of insider, but I want to talk about the safety briefing. Oh, okay. Tell me. Tell me. I want to are are you sa- having issues with the safety no. briefing? <laughs> I mean,. I I can have issues with anything, but no, I, uh, I guess my question is how annoyed are you with the safety briefing? Well, not today, like even okay. at the time. So back then we didn't have those fancy little videos, right? We you had, had to, to do physically it all, do it. Yeah. We all did had you to take your turn on the thing. I did. It all depends. You, you know, when you, cause you're the schedule that you have, you bid on it every month. So, yeah, so you're not only, so everything's based on seniority. So not only are you bidding what kind of trips you're taking and where you're going on those trips and where you might lay over or if you even lay over, you're also bidding on what position of the aircraft you're working in. Each position has responsibilities on that aircraft. What's the crap position? The crap position I got when I first started flying I was the the extra position on transcons from New York to L.A. There was smoking on those airplanes back then. Oh, that's right. And so the extra got to be what they called the fire marshal and sit back in that smoking section the entire flight. Wow. It was awful. Wow. Yeah, it was gross. You'd be praying for COVID days at that point. <laughs> Can I please wear COVID a mask? Was <laughs> Holy smokes. Uh-uh. No, that's... That's weird. That was that on no, purpose? No, I didn't. If I did, I'd have a different career. Because if I could do that on purpose all the time. Um, all right. So that's the bad the the bad position. So what's the best position? Like, what's the thing you're like, oh, I really want to get this. You know, it just kind of depends. You know, so pilots, they always, obviously, and it's for all of our benefit, they always fly just the same aircraft all the time. Oh, yeah. Sure. As flight attendants, we are qualified for for at least five or six different aircrafts and as they would bring out new aircrafts you could go to training and pick those up if you wanted um so it varied from so you have your double wide aircraft and your narrow body aircraft so like trailers gotcha (laughs) i guess so yeah two aisles or one aisle um so i guess it just kind of depends it really depends on it's a very individual thing 
Gotcha. Did you enjoy your time as a flight attendant? I really did. I think I um, enjoy it. I enjoy thinking about it more now than I actually did. I mean, I was a people person. It was a perfect job for me. I loved always doing different things. If you would have sat me in an office mm. from nine, same office every day from nine to five, Monday through Friday, I would have died. Yeah. So that, but there, you have to have a lot of flexibility. And I did have a lot of flexibility at that time in my life Man, because things imagine, can yeah. change all the time. Um. Yeah. It's, it, it's a lot of fun. It was a great job for when you're in your twenties. Makes sense. Yeah. Did you get a lot of time when, like, if you were going to a cool place where you could take a day or whatever to see the cool place? Or so most of our layovers, uh, being I was being the extra position, I didn't have a whole lot of, um, lot of time. And then once you get there, mm. how do you get around? Mm-hmm. If it's not a place that has a lot of public Uber. transportation. <laughs> This was I know. way pre-Uber. I'm but just anyway, going to keep with that narrative. I know. Though. It's going to be good. Why you just <laughs> use your smartphone. You're going to keep revealing how old I am. That's what you're going to do. <laughs> but um, I mean, every now and then you get a fun, like if you got onto it with a regular crew, so you guys would all go to the same hotel together mm. and it just, it just depended on the crew. Sometimes the crews would all go do fun stuff together and then sometimes they would scatter. So to it fraternize just, with the pilots or is that against the rules? Oh yeah, that happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get all me right. in trouble now. No, it's just, just a general <laughs> it, question. It depend, they don't always stay at the same play. It just, it, it just varies. Gotcha. All right. Last insider question. Uh, it's about, um, well, gosh, it's not going to work. Okay. I was going to ask about having to turn off your smartphones, but they don't have smartphones. <laughs> no, that's not going to work. You didn't have any of that. Did they have, you had portable computers, surely, right? Uh-uh. Golly, was this like the Stone Ages? Yes. <laughs> it definitely was. <laughs> that, the computer that we signed in on was one of those black oh, screen. It, yeah. No, you know what? My first job, I remember that. I had, I had the black screen with the orange letters yes. versus the green. I always <laughs> felt like the green was more like real. <laughs> Orange was consumer class. Green was like the business stuff. So you're having a problem with the color orange? No, I'm not going to get into a debate on orange and red here. That's a good idea. But because I might just make that go the whole podcast. Uh, you know, it's fine. It's just I don't want to divide the audience any more than it's already divided. Probably a good idea. <sighs> That's why the Thunder chose blue. In I know, City. but they did choose orange as well. So that is true, I suppose. My goodness. I know. I told you I was going to you know, be here's a strong a, orange can, argument. Can I just say that? I want to say this, okay? You know, we got a lot of people listening that aren't from Oklahoma, but let me just say, Oklahoma um, is divided into two political groups, OU fans and OSU fans. <laughs> and and I say that because fundamentally, as a state, we're always voting red. So the only real division <laughs> at this point. But here's the thing. Then you have libertarians like me okay who absolutely like both schools and want both schools to do well and i'm not a fence setter if they're playing each other i do have a preference okay but if they're not my preference is that both teams do very well Mm -hmm. except when i feel like there's impropriety at either team and then i hope they lose their butts off Mm -hmm. which tends to be one team more than the other and I'll just leave it at that. Oh, that was a low blow. No, it wasn't. <laughs> it was a low blow. Depends on the sport you're talking about. Because <laughs> I think the red team gets into more trouble with football, and I think the orange team gets more in trouble with basketball. That's probably true. 
and I care more about the football side. So, uh, actually, I will say this: I, I have tremendous respect for Mike Gundy. Um, yes, and and it you know here's the thing: it's funny. I was not a football guy uh, for a long, long time. Like, in fact, my wife this was, I feel so bad for her. We got married when we were twenty. I uh, never was into sports or anything. I was a musician, and that's really all my mm-hmm. world was. At like, what, 22, 23, I, Bob Stoops became the head coach at OU. Oh, yeah. And I didn't care, except I saw a press conference. But what was so weird, it's kind of like that Oprah moment. I saw this press conference with, um, after they fired uh, Blake, um, before Stoops, they fired him. And, and what I saw was uh, st- um, players who were very tore up about it. Like, they were crying and... Mm-hmm. and um, I wasn't I, around those days, so I I don't remember any of that. Well, it, here's what was really crazy. I I just remember thinking, man, that guy had a lot of like influence in their lives, and it just was interesting. Hmm. Well, then when they hired Bob Stoops, I listened to him talk at a press conference. I don't remember what he said right now, but I remember being thoroughly intrigued, knowing the the way those players responded and now you've got this new guy coming in. So from a leadership standpoint, I, I wanted to watch, I decided I'm going to watch this season and see what happens. Um, I didn't even really know how football worked. <laughs> like oh, wow. it was, I mean, it, I played a little bit as a kid, but mm-hmm. you know, I, I was a, I was tall for my age. So they always put me. Oh yeah. And, they recruited you. Yeah. And, but the thing is they didn't ever teach me football. Oh darn. Yeah. Like they stuck me at center and never, taught me anything just assumed I knew how to play football at like in fifth grade <laughs> and like well, I mean I don't I don't know what to tell you do I hand I, what do I do with this ball why is he touching me there that's weird <laughs> I don't understand stranger danger like get just get away from me so so as I started watching all that um that's where I really kind of I, I became more of a Bob Stoops fan than an OU fan um well, you know where Bob Stoops came from right yes my husband graduated from there really yeah how about that yeah that's pretty cool. I know. Yeah, I love, I, I mean, I really love Bob Stoops. I like his integrity. I've, at different times, have been able to get, I'm, I don't know Bob personally, but people who do know him personally, and they just um, confirm what I believed. But I, I felt like he was a tremendous leader. And and two years, at, turning a team from zeros to heroes in mm-hmm. two years, I mean, it really spoke to his leadership. So I was, so I say that to say, when Mike Gundy became head coach at OSU, I got that same vibe. I was mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. I love that. I love his commitment to the team. His, and then, you know, the whole I am 40 thing, his love for the players and his commitment to his, his players, I thought was great. So yeah. in the recent past, some of the political crap that's gone on yes. has really frustrated me because I think he's a great coach and, uh, and uh, a better person, yeah. you know? So anyway, I say that to say, yeah, I like both teams, but Boomer Sooner. So <laughs> Go Pokes. Fair enough. <laughs> um, as long as they're not playing each other. Um, all right. So, I don't know. Did I cover everything? Because I said some, Oh, the orange typing screens. Yes. Let's move past it anyway. <laughs> um, all right. So, uh, what happened? What? So, how long did you do that? I did that from 1989 all the way to 2001. Okay. 12 years. Yes. When does a person retire from... Well, I mean, I know when you did. Yes. But. Yeah. So um, it was interesting because at the time that I was there, um, it had traditionally been mostly like a job for 20 year olds and then they'd get married and, and quit and, you know, go on with life. But people were sticking around because they were really liking the job. Did and it you pay really, well? It, you could. As you um, 
once you cross over the five year mark, you could um, you could really make a decent wage. And then you really got the great trips where you had a 24 hour layover in Palm Springs and oh, yeah. things like that. And so um, so flight attendants were getting um, up there in age. And we used to joke we would have this kit on each airplane and it would have things in it like band-aids and aspirin mm. and gauze you know that it wasn't called a first kit first aid kit but we would joke that they were going to need to start putting geritol in the oh yeah <laughs> cover it <laughs> wow so yeah so um so yeah so i so yeah i so you'll know two, 2001 what caused me to retire is at that point rick and i had been married and i had had our third child so i had had, oh, to, wow. had a lot of family leaves during that time yeah. and we had just moved. That's got wait, 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 wait. Yes, you, you you were with child. Yes, three different times uh-huh. while you were a flight attendant. Well, yes, up until a point. Yes. So when did you take your leave? Like how far into it? So with that airline, they required at six months you needed to stop flying. Gotcha. I only did that with my first pregnancy. Wow. So um, once for the second and third pregnancies, I was our. I would bow out or I could take the, make the choice to take my family leave earlier. Gotcha. I just am imagining walking up and down. Have you never serving. seen a flight attendant in a maternity uniform? No. That's weird, huh? I mean, I'm not, I don't do a lot of flying. Okay. I am going to well, fly in a little, like a few weeks. Though. Right. Yeah. How about that? Hmm. Okay. So you met, so why, I, where did you meet Rick? Was oh, he, that's a, interesting, wait, hold huh? on. Yes. Was he a passenger? No, he was Dang not. It. I know everybody so wants that to be the case, but because um, so- we could make a movie. I mean, if he was, that would be the deal. <laughs> so if you could just alter the story a little bit, I'm sorry, but I have an even more interesting story because okay. you know we went from you know wild child, teenage years. Um, so that's got to be though. Wait a minute. So because being a flight attendant for for ten more years or twelve more years, whatever it was after that, I mean that's just a continuation of the party, right? To an extent, if you choose that, okay. but in that time is when I met Rick and got married, and yeah. so that kind of went to the wayside. So I was in New York, and it was a fun, great experience, but sharing a one-bedroom... I mean, even though we were all flight attendants, in the eight months that I lived there, there was maybe two times where all five of us were there at the same time. Oh, wow. And so that was interesting. So you, that's not something you want to do long term. Mm-hmm. And so I, it was time that I was able, I was eligible to put in for a transfer. So I put in a transfer for Dallas because, of course, that was what was closest to home. Mm-hmm. But then I also put in a transfer to Miami. That airline had just recently opened a base up in Miami, Florida. My mom had a brother who lived there with his family. So you were trying to get deployed to Miami. I was trying and to get. <laughs> There. I put it. I put it in for both. Yeah. I actually put it in for both, and they actually offered. They offered me both. Oh wow! And I thought, why am I going back to Dallas? I got nothing there. I got no boyfriend. I got nothing. No strings on me. So I was like, I'm going to sunny Miami. There you go. And that's what I did. And that's when I met Rick. All right. So Rick. Rick comes in off a surfboard, <laughs> all glistening, and <laughs> no, 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 no. So that was my first summer that down there because, yeah, I transferred like late spring. So it was first summer down there. My uncle was also a pastor. And so I was I when I was in town, I would attend church there. And Rick was home from college for the summer. And his family just so happened to be trying my uncle's church. Oh. And so I actually this wild girl met. 
her husband in church. Isn't As a, that just wow. so sickening? My goodness. <laughs> and he was a visitor at that. I know. Well, they stayed after that. Well, yeah. <laughs> He's like, whoa, hey, hey. I like that church, mom. Whatever. Exactly. <laughs> I really like the youth group. <laughs> or young married, whatever. They no, that be. was young called. Adults. What did we call what that? What were you? Yeah. What did we call that group? I don't know. Rich Single but looking or something? We had. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. But it's true. So I think that Sunday that he came, it just so happened that that group, whatever we called that, I don't even remember what we called it. But anyway, we were having a Pictionary night. Oh. And so, um, and his mom wanted him to get plugged in. And so she encouraged him to come to Pictionary night. And that's where we actually met. So he laid eyes on me that first Sunday. I was in the choir. And (laughs) wait, that's even better. Wild child singing in the choir that's on right, Sunday. That's right. There's a song. I pr- there is a song that says that. I know there is. I'm going to Google it. It's probably a country song if there is. Or hip hop. <laughs> anyway, so anyway, so I meet him at Pictionary night. And I'm just I'm not paying a lot of attention. I was in that phase of my life of okay, I'm going to just pause dating for a while. I've had some really mm. bad experiences. Uh, you know, I was really in, the, uh, you know, getting off the wild track. And um, I guess what I don't know how you say this exactly. Just interested in my relationship with God yeah, more than thing. I had been previously. And so that's I was there. I wasn't paying a lot of attention. But Rick will tell you he was very interested. And so at the end of Pictionary Night, you know, everyone's standing around talking or whatnot. And apparently, again, I was a chatterbox. Shocker. <laughs> and he was waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting so he could get one-on-one time with me. And um, and he asked me out. He didn't know my name. <laughs> Man, Rick. <laughs> good on you, dog. <laughs> So he had to come back to church. He must have had to come back to church that Wednesday night and found somebody from that group and said, hey, that the pastor's niece, what's her name? Wait, did, so did he ask you out without, like that happened be, before or after he asked you out? He didn't know your name when he asked you out? He did not know my name when oh he asked me gosh, out. Oh my gosh, this is awesome. So he literally pulled the, hey you, like <laughs> he smoothed up without ever using your name, dude. Yeah. That's strong. Well, we... We must have introduced each other, but I think Still. it was, or I think it was earlier in the night. So anyway. Still, I mean, that's yeah. pretty strong. I know. Good. That, well, He's it, got it some speaks game. a good. lot to, to who he, now I'm like, oh yeah, now I get why you could do that. You're pretty bold. Yeah. That's, wow. I'm, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Okay. So sorry. Yes. I just got sidetracked. I'm just, that's really good. Yeah. So that's where that all so got So you going. guys, all right. So how long did you guys date before you got married? interesting at the beginning of the relationship i was not super interested and i thought it'd be more of a friendship type thing because he was gonna so he that was in miami Mm -hmm. he was at university of florida in gainesville that's six hours from miami yeah and so i'm like you're still in college you go be in college and i I don't want to do a long distance relationship well he really wanted to make it work and i was like all right, you're a pretty nice guy, you're pretty good looking. I, okay. <laughs> Twisted your arm, did he? <laughs> yes, because I did not like long distance relationship at all. You know, on the podcast he's on right now, he's going, man, she pursued me like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's probably going to come in here and thumbs up. Anyway, so, but we dated, how long? Okay, that was in 90. And we got married in 93. So I guess, okay. oh, it felt like a lot of years, though, yeah. with him going back and forth from school and 
um, and all of that. Yeah. But yeah. So yeah. Well, we we were we dated for two and we were engaged for a year. So. Okay. Well, so you were a flight attendant before you got married, so you stayed through all of that. Mm-hmm. He was at school. I mean, that's a lot. That's that's pretty strong, really. Yeah. Not not many people pull that off. How about that? All right. So how'd you get to Oklahoma? Well, I'm from here. Right. So. But you're here now. Right. I'm here now. <laughs> so then, okay, so got married. Um, he had a job. He took a job at the power plant that's a little bit south of Miami called Turkey Point. Um, I have my job with the airline. Um, when I was, when I was pregnant with our second one, so I still, I still would fly some trips, not as much, but mm-hmm. I would fly some trips, um, after our first was born, Nathan, and he had a daycare center, an on-site daycare center where he, where he worked at this gotcha. turkey point. So that worked out great for us, except for when in the winter I, and I would fly with, we would call turnarounds. So I would leave Miami in the morning and fly to either Chicago, New York city, Boston, any one of those, and then turn around and come back home. Mm. So it was closest thing to a nine to five. Yeah. But in the winter you could land in Chicago and in the hour sit time or two hour sit time that you have, a storm blows in. Right. And you're not you're taking there. off. Mm-hmm. So and this I did have a cell phone finally by this time. Or maybe I didn't. Maybe I called him with a payphone. I don't know. Calling any, card. Probably. That, yes. <laughs> I'm sure we had a calling card. Anyway, I had called him and said, hey, I'm not I would pick Nathan up um, at from daycare. And I would say, I'm not we're not going to make it in. You're going to have to pick up Nathan from daycare. And he would say. But I have a meeting. Mm-hmm. I said, but I'm not even in the same state. <laughs> I win. <laughs> <laughs> so that would, and once, and during that time, I hated leaving him. I hated being gone from him. Sure. I really wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. And and that was really in my heart. And so when I got pregnant with our second one, I said, I can't, I, I don't want to do this anymore. And Rick said, okay. So he took a job contracting as an electrical engineer mm. And so we moved from sunny Miami to Connecticut. Okay. Yeah. And so that him contracting and being able to work tons of hours allowed for me not to work, but I had to give up my sunny Florida. Yeah. For that. Wow. Yeah. Connecticut. So we moved to Connecticut. What part of Connecticut? We lived in, it was, uh, the area was called kind of in the new, uh, new London area. Okay. Right on the sound. It was beautiful, yeah. beautiful place. Beautiful place. Very cold winters. Long, mm-hmm. cold winters. Yeah. I like wintertime, though. I, I, I feel like I'd like that. I lived in Pittsburgh for a while. They oh, had okay. long winters. Yeah. yeah. It's not the same. No. But. Yeah. You know, it's weird. Pittsburgh, I think it's considered part of the Rust Belt. Maybe. Uh, probably. I mean, it's still city. But hmm. really, the Rust Belt's typically Michigan and Ohio and Wisconsin. I don't think I've ever heard of the Rust Belt. No. Yeah. If you watched politics but i was born in ohio well yeah rust belt (laughs) um but the it's weird to me because it's cold there but it's not like it's so close to like michigan like detroit for example Mm -hmm. it's so close to where detroit is and detroit's winters are brutal yes and it's because of the lakes exactly exactly and that's what really really is pittsburgh so far south that you know right you just don't feel it but man anyway Yes. So that's cool. Yes. So so, let, so Connecticut. So we're in Connecticut and that contracting job. I mean, the idea was that we were going to move around with a contact contracting yeah. job and, we, you know, the kids were going to be young and that was going to be fine. But we never did move. We stayed at the mm. he stayed at that same plant for however many years that was. 
And then um, when that looked like that was going to be wrapping up, he started looking for different jobs and he had gone on monster.com and he said, Hey, there's this job opening at a uh, Exxon mobile plant in Shawnee, Oklahoma. Do you know where that is? And I'm like, yeah, that's where OBU is. Yeah. I knew nothing else about Shawnee. Had that's... never been to Shawnee at that point in my life. But your arch rivals, <laughs> OBU, what are they? The fighting somethings? You know. Arch rivals from what? From uh, CSU. Oh. <laughs> right? <laughs> I didn't care one <laughs> iota about CSU <laughs> at all. But anyway, so. Clearly, because you didn't even know what I was talking right. about. Right. I'm like, what is he talking about? <laughs> So yeah, so then, so that's what, so it was a move back for me, but right. yes, it was a move because our first two were born in Miami, Florida, and then our third was born in Connecticut. He's our New Englander. Wow. So. Does he have an accent? He does not. I'm sure he <laughs> wishes he does. <laughs> but anyway, so, so yes, yeah, so we moved back here and Rick took that, got that job with ExxonMobil and Shawnee. So that's what brought us to Oklahoma. Well, how about that? Yes. Um, I have a friend that works at ExxonMobil that worked at that. I'm sure he would, that have been, he would have been there when Rick was there for sure. Who was it? What was his name? Uh, Rick Astorga. I'm sure Rick knows him. He's a uh, quality control guy. Maybe I'm sure Rick know. knows him. They, they all knew each other. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so I think that's all accurate. I could totally wrong. But okay. if, if Rick heard me, he'll know. <laughs> or either Rick. <laughs> either, either of the Ricks will know. If either Rick. Um, all right. So. You, you're in Oklahoma now, and you have been... I just got the confirmation. <laughs> um, so you end up... Now you're... I mean, obviously, there's a very clear path from wild child to flight attendant to counselor. I mean, but for those who don't see the obvious connections, can you talk a little bit about... <laughs> yeah, let, about let me fill you in, because this, this being a counselor, this is like my third life, I call it. <laughs> So when we moved here to Oklahoma, um, we had done one year. Nathan had been in public school for one year in Connecticut in kindergarten. Mm. Not a good experience. Mm. It is. Um, well, you, you've got boys, you know, putting five year olds in kindergarten is not always yeah. the best thing. Mm-hmm. And so when we moved here, God had kind of put it on my heart about homeschooling. And I thought, wait a minute, I don't have seven heads. Mm. I shouldn't be homeschooling. But anyway, long story short, you just got that, didn't you? That's good. (laughs) Anyway, I started homeschooling. um, And that was probably the toughest thing I've ever done in my life. Mm -hmm. I was, I told you I was not a good student. I did not have a degree in teaching or education or any of that. And how on earth am I going to do this? And so I started searching it out and being, you know, I'd not really been doing life in Oklahoma. So it still felt kind of new to me. Thankfully, I had my parents here and my sister here. But I do want to quickly interrupt and just say this, because during this pandemic, I've been uh, Jacob's teacher. Oh, yes, Um, that's right. I forgot about that. My nine year old and uh, soon to be 10, his his brother, who's, you know, here on leave for Mm -hmm. a few weeks, asked him, what's it like to have dad as your teacher? And his response was, it's terrifying. <laughs> so I'm sure Nathan would agree with there's him. that. And I actually homeschool, ended up homeschooling all of them. Mm. But so it, beginning my homeschool journey, I felt I had no confidence to even pick things like curriculum or how you even do it and what do they even need to learn. So I found a homeschool satellite program at Christian Heritage Academy mm. in Dell City. Awesome. And became connected with that. And they did a really good job of training me 
to do at home what they do in their classrooms. Very cool. And we did eventually transition the kids over there. But I homeschooled for seven, between all three kids, I homeschooled for seven years. Oh, wow. Okay. And so I'm very glad I did it. I'm glad I'm not doing it anymore. I'm glad I was able to stop. We transitioned the first two over in fourth grade and the youngest at third grade. Wow. And so um, just for the early years. Mm-hmm. So there was that. So that was a big, that was, um, I, you know, I was going to, if I was going to do it, I was going to do it. Yeah. And so I took it, I took kindergarten way too seriously. <laughs> yeah. That is not red. That is maroon. <laughs> we, we made many calls to the principal. Oh my goodness. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so how'd that lead to counseling? Or well, did it didn't. It? Yeah, no, so it <laughs> yeah. didn't. So I, um, yeah, how did that lead to counseling? So kids were transitioning into school. So I was searching out what to do with my, well, where's my value now? Mm. And so. Boy, that's a, that's a whole nother podcast. Yeah. So I found, uh, I found classes at Scope Ministries mm. and really enjoyed those classes. And then I met Pat Everett. Oh, yeah. And she was She's like, your co-host uh, on the three. That's right. And um, she said, have you, you should come on staff here. And I thought, well, can I, can I do that? And what would I do? And she's like, you'd be a great counselor. And I was like, what? <laughs> Cause that was, had been so far in the back of my, you know, in the, it was a very dusty thought. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so anyway, she just encouraged me to. And so I got involved in their training program and got, got trained through them to become a counselor. There you go. And have since we, um, several of us, um, that were all scope trained. We started a new ministry called Oneness Ministries. Right. I had to fit that in. Well, yeah, they're, <laughs> they're one of our sponsors too for, um, for my sponsors for, oh, yes. uh, the, uh, <laughs> what's that podcast? I do? Spiritually, Spiritually wounded. wounded. Thank you. <laughs> I knew I had that name somewhere. Yeah. You can only keep so much in your right, head. I know you got to put file stuff away. Yes, you do. You know? Um, yeah. So Oneness Ministries is fantastic. Um, I've had the opportunity to go up there a number of times and, you know, help with the studio setups and everything else. But, um, everybody there is amazing and you guys are amazing. I, I really, um, it's neat for me to have watched the transition, Mm -hmm. uh, because you know, when you, with your first several episodes, I was active in editing those. I heard them from (laughs) beginning to end. There was a lot to edit. (laughs) Well, here's the, the thing, you know, our process was still young and so, um, it was a necessary evil until we got some different uh, upgrades. But mm-hmm. um, it's been, uh, you know, I had a teacher once tell me um, it's really, uh, this was a arts, uh, performing arts teacher. <clears throat> she said, it's really easy to see something go from dull to sharp, mm-hmm. but it's very difficult to see something to go from sharp to sharper. Now I've taken that analogy f- like to next level stuff because it's also really inexpensive to go from dull to sharp, mm-hmm. but it's exponentially more expensive to go from sharp to sharper. I would imagine. Um, and it, and it only yields these tiny differences, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, uh, value comes to play in that a lot. Sure. And, um, but, but what's cool is when you're just starting out and doing something, you're literally going from dull to sharp cause you just, you have no experience in a thing. Right. Um, so it's cool. It's, it's a rewarding time. It's like when you're painting a room, you know, like, I like seeing the color change. Mm-hmm. That first coat, it's like, wow. Well, the second coat, you're like, eh, I already seen this. <laughs> you know, it's already there, but it's necessary and, you know, it's part of the process. So, so. you know how you fix that? Hmm. You get the paint that is like really thick, I like know. pudding, and you only have to do one coat. I Listen, <laughs> this studio 
it's the exact kind of paint I used, but same color and everything. Like it was just a recolor, uh-huh. right? But this room was once occupied by teenage boys. Oh, say no more. There is no way. <laughs> And I didn't get to the ceiling yet. So don't start. There it is. Oh, you made me look. <laughs> I knew you it. knew I was going to look when you happen. said that. Sharon, thanks for being on the podcast. <laughs> well, thanks for having me. Absolutely. This is fun. Um, you guys, thank you for joining us on Conversations with Me. And uh, just want to encourage you, if you, you need to check out the three podcasts, it's awesome. They talk about all things three. They have guests. They, they do all sorts of stuff. And it's fun. So check it out. You can find them at StreamGrace.com and just click on the three logo. And then also you can visit the Oneness Ministries website at oneness-ministries.org. Thanks again for joining us and we will see you next time.